Hi, I'm Joan. I'm Genevieve. <laughs> I'm JD. I'm Allison. And this week, we've decided to bring you an hour of baseless speculation about strange new worlds and whether it'll make us quit Star Trek. I don't fucking know. It hasn't come out yet. I'm quitting based on these baseless... uh, I'm going to quit based on one one minute and 20 seconds of footage, um, some leak from filming... 30 seconds of which was a horse. 30 seconds of which was a horse. um, Yeah, Pike being a horse girl. And the casting of a guy from the Vampire Diaries. Yeah, we're quitting based on that. Good night, everyone. it's, it's, It's been a week, wouldn't we say? Yeah. I feel like I was working double shifts when the trailer came out, and I just like, by the time I got on Twitter, people were mad at the Vampire Diaries, and I was like, I've missed things. <laughs> See, I, I actually love the way Paramount does things, because they wait until, like, Marvel Disney announces something major, like, oh, I don't know, Obi-Wan, or Miss Marvel to be like, oh, hey, guys, we're going to do something bad. <laughs> It feels like a Paramount, like Piano Punk, is run by two incredibly hungover people who are like lounging at the office. But someone goes, "Shit, they've announced Paramount. Someone's announced something. Should we announce something too?" Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll um, um, um I, mean, the I truly think that the people at Paramount are like saying to themselves in meetings every day that like we are marvel we are star wars like they want so bad to like have that level of name recognition and like clout and power and like money making and so they're just trying to like they're trying to play with the big boys and what they've forgotten is that we star trek fans hate their guts i am not a i'm not in this like, I'm sorry to my Marvel overlords. I did not know what I had signed up for. Yeah, it's like, as much as they can fuck up, I don't think anyone's going to not watch the show. No. No. That's <laughs> how they know you, they got you. I mean, got- it, it seems like they, they found their, like, a nice middle ground between this seems interesting and I have to hate watch this to see how big a disaster it'll be. Like, either way, I'm staying. To be fair, that's how I watched Rogue One, and I now really like Rogue One. So it's it's not an unfounded (laughs) concept. I'm a big believer in that Star Trek needs time to settle in. Because, like, there's no Star Trek that was, like... I mean, to a certain extent, TNG was popular, but I do think the first couple seasons of TNG are bad. Um, But I feel like once almost all, at least in my experience as someone who's been in the fan for a little over like 15-ish years, uh, is that people like things like 10 years after they come out. 10 years after they come out, 15 years after they come out, people start being like, remember Deep Space Nine? Turns out that was really good. I think it's incredibly, in the sort of two years I've been in Trek Twitter, Enterprise has gone from being regarded as mediocre to shit to being regarded as deranged but good. People have to grasp liking it. But yeah, so considering that they are basically throwing random shit in the wall with us, I, I thought it was time that we had our first session of baseless speculation. The two months ago, and very little footage, I think it's time we just started spouting random shit. Um, 
Would anybody like to start with a piece of complete random nonsense they think is going to happen? Yes, I think we're going to find out that California was plunged into like some weird ice age because why is Pike on an ice world with a horse? Dude is from the desert. Yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, okay. I know they terraformed Earth and the Mojave Desert is now a parkland. But why is there a winter? Actually, you know, deserts do have winters. Deserts get really fucking cold in the winter. We, wait, wait, wait. We went to Mojave into a parkland? Did you know? Yeah. It's, it's in the cage. You know how in the cage, Pike goes to like a park and he has Tango the horse? That's the Mojave Desert. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, they're like... Like, and that like, had no consequences. That was just good. Because like, Vina goes, oh, you know, two hundred years ago, this used to be. Well, a well, no, because here's the thing. Because I guess humans are responsible in the future. So if you read like uh, Burning Dreams or Enterprise Wars, you find out there is still like a desert aspect in like the outer Mojave region. It's just like they decided, oh, this is the area for people, so it can be green. <laughs> sure. I guess it's... What did they do with all the desert animals? <laughs> they kicked them out of the green part. <laughs> cool. I guess it's more efficient than actual America in mean... the desert, where they just basically have the green stuff at the end of the summer, but then you're in a desert. It's like, we'll actually create an environment for this desert city, so it doesn't... Just move it to a desert planet. <laughs> <laughs> they took Mojave and stuck it on Mars. They're done. <laughs> Mars' atmosphere now, yeah, they'll be fine. You put the lizards on Mars and nothing of consequence has heard from them again. I'm unsurprised um, the entire... Oh, I was going to say that my baseless prediction is that uh, there's a transporter accident where everyone switches bodies. Like, everyone's brain is in a different body, just a body switch episode. That would... You see... I think they do that, but I can't imagine it. But I feel like in strong track position, it would still end up being sexist and racist. <laughs> Shooting off of that, I hope they do the fan fiction trope of a transporter accident where Spock gets split into full Vulcan and full human. That's never mm. happened. Ooh. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a good one. Actually. I've read that in many uh, Spark fan fictions. Yeah, I don't. The thing about Spurk stuff, I mean, just segue because we have to talk about it, is um, they were never going to do it. Yeah, they're never going to do it. I think it, yeah, I, I think it, that. an important part of Spurk is that it is never endorsed by the powers that be. It'd be, I don't want them to because they're going to do it so bad. Like any attempt that they do, like they, what the appropriate way to handle Spurks in this the year of our Lord 2022, in my opinion, is to just have two people homoerotically look at each other and touch a little bit too much. You know, they should, should say sort of flowery language. Like they should say that they're each other's soulmates, but like I don't necessarily need them to kiss. They need to have the bad, same, right? They need to have the same relationship between each other's bodies that me and homophobic people who used to cuddle me at school had. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the relationship they'd have with like, Yeah, they're talking to each other a lot and they're each other longingly, but um that subtext you're feeling? No, 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 no that wasn't intended. 
the weird friendship you have in middle school with another girl where you're best friends and then she gets a boyfriend and you're really mad and you don't know why yeah no that I, I don't know how that feels because I had that with a Spanish girl except we were like obsessed with each other so like years later I realized oh shit was I dating her <laughs> yeah I had to at school with another guy um he then turned out to be a terrible person so I, I kind of feel vindicated about being mad even if it was different <laughs> reasons but I think that's what I think you're right it, there's no way they can endorse it and also like, that's what they're not going to like it's not gonna happen they're not gonna do it like i don't know why we're pretending like there's a world like there is a world where i think that they can and i don't again i don't think they're going to but i think there's like a very very slim possibility that they like show that either kirk or spock has interest romantically in men that aren't each other but they are never ever ever going to make those two men kiss it's not gonna happen Yes. I, I love everything you just said because it appeals to my triumvirate heart. So it's just all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They both just like Bones and Bones likes both of them and it's a weird trouble. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That is what I come for. I come for the weirdly homoerotic trouble energy. You see what? Where they're all going to live this, on a campfire by a campfire. The scene we really need is like Spock coming on to Bones and then like an episode later of Spock that Bones come... Jim coming on to Bones and like an hour later Bones is sitting in his corner like and sort of like now I'm not now I'm not polyamorous but but <laughs> just, just staring at a wall just like the reason that Bones won't get with either of them is just because he's had his heart broken uh, too many times Karen took the kids oh, he's too busy yeah, Karen, Karen quite literally took the kid <laughs> yeah what novel is it? There's a novel where we find out that McCoy joined Starfleet because he returned from his doctor's office one day and um, his wife had left, had just left him a note saying, I'm leaving and taking Joanna with him. And then yeah. he looked, he just sort of sat down and opened the newspaper and there was an advertisement to join Starfleet. And he was like, yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure that is like his backstory in the uh, timeline movies. Yeah, it he is. He gets on the thing and he's like, "My wife took everything. All I got left is my bones. <laughs> I can only go to space now." <laughs> Which is weird that they're taking a rocket ship to San Francisco. <laughs> I also like that they needed an explanation for why the doctor was called Bones. Like that wasn't already <laughs> a thing. Yeah, like what do, what do doctors have to deal phones. with? <laughs> it was such a like, it's still a good moment. I still like that scene. Oh, I love, that's the thing. The it's a great scene. <laughs> the 2009 or 2008 Star Trek movie is fundamentally a series of very good five minute scenes that don't really have much <laughs> to do with each other. that all just happen to be in the same movie. It's like those like short thick clip like collection yeah, on AO3. It's like a bunch it's of like, like, it's like, a it's a like bunch 20, of word stories. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, all the, the only Kelvin film that isn't that is Star Trek Beyond. And that's because yes. Simon Pegg can write. But, and yes. Justin Lin can direct. You know, I still think if McCoy appears in Space World, it just has to be Carl Urban. Because <laughs> they can't just do that. They could just do that. Listen, spoiler alert. Okay, has everyone here watched this week's Discovery? I haven't, but also, you know, live your dreams. Yeah, I'm ready to be spoiled. 
All I'm saying I, is that, have you, Jamie? All I'm saying I is, haven't, but like, whatever. If you could have Stacey None of Abrams. None just you. Okay. If you could have Stacey <laughs> Abrams in your Star Trek, you can just have Carl Urban play the same character on a different show. Oh, is that the spoiler? I knew about that. that. Yeah, that's what I figured you were talking about. I did see that already. But anyway, long and short, if you could do that, you could do whatever the fuck you want. See, now I'm disappointed based on your spoiler, because I thought, like, we had just unlocked a multiverse at the end of Discovery, and it's just like, nope, nope, just Stacey Abrams. (laughs) There should be a Fast and Furious crossover. I think that that is possible. I think there's no reason that you can't do if you're gonna do they've already gone to space. They, here's my pitch, right? They have one where they go back in time. That's past and period and furious. Uh that's a Jurassic Park uh crossover. And then they do back to the uh Fast to the Future, and that's the Star Trek crossover. See Paramount with- Call Me. Okay. I like your ideas, but let's kick it up a notch. Let's just okay, replace okay. Vin Diesel with Groot because Star Trek technically exists in the Marvel Universe. That's true. That's fine with me. You know, why not get everyone in there? Yeah. Have Justin <laughs> in direct. <laughs> I got very drunk last week and watched uh, three of the Fast and Furious franchise uh, and remembered how it's the only good franchise we've made. I've only seen Tokyo Drift and I have no complaints. You know, I was thinking I was deranged when I was imagining that um, a strangely world series finale, they deep fake Robert F. Kennedy in as the Federation president, but this was worse. (laughs) 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 It was was either RFK or George McGovern. Speaking of terrible ideas. (laughs) I don't think we're going to pull this to Star Trek and we're doing this. (laughs) RFK. Okay, this is changing topic, but speculation: Are they gonna make Pike and uh, number one fuck? Or like, is that gonna be a thing? I, going to, I think they're going to. They well, they have to do this thing. Are they? If they're going to like, oh, the cage was our pilot, and they're going off of the cage. Um, right. Do we have to go off the cage though? Like that's my. He'll hate women. If we're going off the cage, he hates women. Yeah. Well, going- I mean, we kind of already tied in the cage and i don't know we're just hand waving the fact that like all women creep him out except for vina like the weird woman who was like forcibly coming on to him he still wants to bang her i think much like how we don't need an in-universe explanation for why the special effects got better like we just logically know that technology has increased in star trek as a tv show i think that we can look at certain things from the original series and just be like, we're just gonna ignore that. And that's fine. And I think yeah. the cage and a lot of it can be ignored. The nat- I feel like the nat- yeah. once again, as I've said on Twitter, I feel that like the natural illustration worlds is just readapting original series stories with 21st century technology. Just mm-hmm. as like a special limited series, they attack, like they pick like 10 of the best episodes, and, like we're gonna do them again, but with fancy technology and make them like an hour long blocks, you know, like, Imagine the Doomsday Machine if you actually got the most, like that, or like Trouble with Tribbles, but not with Brown Face. Sure. Progress. I don't know. Would it be? Because now you're you're heading into that Lucas territory where when you start touching it, you can't stop. 
That's the good point. That is the point. I think that's actually the main concern with Strangely World is that it keeps touching things it shouldn't touch. Like it, it veers off in one direction by having new original characters and then it brings Jim Kirk back. And yeah, there's so much to work with that isn't developed. So, like, please stop touching. <laughs> yeah, I think the only silver lining to the Jim Kirk stuff is that. I think that picture we have of him in the command chair with the Delta is a promotion. Okay, is that an actual photo or did someone just take a photo of him? No, that's from Paramount. That's from Paramount. Okay, it looks like a Photoshop. Yeah, I think it's a promotional photo. I don't think it's, I don't think he ever appears on set in that chair. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like what they did was they probably just ruined their own season one finale surprise okay well now i can't expect this this isn't fun yeah i think if anything you know who we can blame for this vampire (laughs) diary stars because they're the people who follow paul wesley fucking around i'm like oh he's in the new star trek so it's like they ruined this for us and because they put those pictures up paramount panicked and we're like we're just gonna answer now you know i'm actually kind of furious cameo situation yeah, he's gonna be in like two episodes. And yeah, that's that's what I am hoping. Well, see, I I don't know. AOS again. I I I'm upset that we have him, and apparently he kisses Baby Con because now I can never get my future moment where Jim, after meeting Actual Con, thinks, "Hey guys, do you think they had the same last name for a reason?" And everyone just all like, Jim, what the fuck? No, no, no. No, I think he can still have that because as much as Jim is incredibly smart, he's also incredibly stupid. So he is, but I want to see it. He does have bones that are pen in hands. Because like half the crew from Pike's Enterprise is still working with Jim. So I just need like Mbenga, Uhura, Chapel and Spock sitting him down like, how did you just piece this together? You see, being like Lal New Year's thing, it's like it's like how Bobby Hitler was in the US Navy. <laughs> this is my yeah, favorite I, Bobby Hitler, US Navy. He joined the Navy in 1944 when it's Bobby Hitler and the um the fucking recruiting sergeant went, yeah, sure, and I'm with the Navy. He went, no, 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 here's my here's my passport. <laughs> <laughs> well like that guy there's like five people that are relate that were like related to hitler and they all like got together and were like we should not have children that is a bad idea we're all gonna make that pact together and i think that's great and considering how like nonplussed kirk and the gang are in space scene in the first place by meeting space hitler <laughs> like it might not carry such weight. Ooh, that's my basis prediction. I think that Hitler shows up at some point because oh, they, they Star Trek the... can't not can't not World War II it. They can't stay away. Do you know the one about Schinkelbrunner, right? No. The fa- the the canceled original series episode where they accidentally beam up Hitler's oh, father, I do. Hitler's father, and they have an argument between a historian and a Jewish and a Jewish and a Jewish geneticist about whether to kill Hitler's father. I have heard tell. It's a very special. They should episode. do that. It's it's up there with the reverse racism episode that Shelley Coles and the Forest Kelly wanted to do. 
I'm sure they would have handled that very well. Yeah, well, oh, that episode always gets me. It's like, Michelle Nichols really wanted to do this. And I'm like... I mean, it makes sense for 1960s logic where, like, everyone's still treating white people like they're newborn infants, where it's all like, okay, here's how racism works. If I'm mean to you and it makes you sad, imagine how it feels for me. And that's how you fix it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most people know that it feels mean. They'll stop. <laughs> they just didn't know. Asked, they just didn't know. Remember George Wallace found out that the raid, the black people didn't like it that he talked to them like that? He just stopped. He also got he shot. Stopped. He got shot, but he also stopped. <laughs> you know, wasn't yeah, I mean, shot that converted to Christianity, finding out that people didn't like what he said, we'll never know. Yeah, see, like, the problem with Hitler was no one ever told him, like, oh, no, people really hate this. And, you know, once he found out, he went to his bunker and he handled it. <laughs> Say what you want about Hitler. He's the only one who managed to kill Hitler. <laughs> I, meme. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. But, yeah, and... It has been funny. That's a segue back to the main topic. Watch people go from fuck Paul Wesley to Paul Wesley is now Jim Kirk in about four days. Well, I am sort of into the general idea. And I've seen this happen with other stories that I guess we would consider at least semi-modern. Uh, like I think Sherlock Holmes is the obvious example of like, we have now, like, as a society, reached the point we are like a hundred percent fine if you want to very, very loosely adapt to Sherlock Holmes. So we'll still like recognize it as a Sherlock Holmes story, and we still all understand that, like, even if it has no specific relation to an Arthur Conan Doyle story, we still know like that those characters and like those tropes, and it's become like similar to fairy tales or everything where there's a million different interpretations. I think that it's fine that Star Trek is getting to that point. Like, it's been around for six decades, and I think it's fine that it's like, this is my take on Kirk. Like, I don't know necessarily think it has to be, like, a linear thing. Because I at this point, it's not. I think it's very good that Star Trek has refused to deep fake anything. So I don't I'm, know. Sorry, because... Gonna, do you want me to get a picture of deep fake Grand Moff Tarkin? <laughs> I will hold up a picture of deep fake Peter Cushing. <laughs> Because I, I can't, you can't, you can't walk back from deep fake Peter Cushing. You can't walk back from that. There was that episode of um, Prodigy where they had on like the different people from different ships in the hologram program, and they used clips of people's voices. Um, and I, I'm not saying I didn't like the truth, but it was a little odd to because like. Leonard Nimoy's recordings are so very obviously recorded on 60s equipment where everyone else's are not. And so, like, and they didn't bother to, like, like, de-qualify or, like, make worse the other recordings. So it's, like, everyone else is crystal clear and then it's just, like, this garbled, like, 1960s voice that it's keeps very, happening and it is a little weird. It was a very different choice that was, I think was made so that when those kids watch actual Star Trek episodes, they're like, Oh, that's the thing from Prodigy. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with their choice. Um, but that that is a it's a little deep fakey. I thought oh, it was that, funny, but it's a little deep fakey. It, it is. It's it's like it's like your level one deep fake, and then you have yeah. like level ten is like Disney. Yeah, I think it's like 
it's not as well executed uh, because it's a smaller scope, but I think it's similar to um, Deep Space Nine going back to the trouble with Tribbles, where it's like they are like, re it's like they are superimposing themselves into those scenes, but like in a way that feels like it's a tribute, not just like trying to hold on to what was, you know what I mean? Wait, did Star Trek invent deep fakes? That can't be the first. Uh, no, it's not, technically, it, it's not technically a deep fake because you're not, it's not creating new footage, a new image yeah. from old content. It's just, they just re, what that is, is something that Star Trek done a lot, which is cutting old new footage on top of old footage. Like mm -hmm. it's done that all the time. It did, that's how it made, like, that's how it did different shots during the original series. Mm -hmm. Like, it's what they did with, you know, if we're looking at Star Wars and the Mandalorian with Luke Skywalker, which start, which is still in the uncanny valley, let's say, I'll be honest with everyone, is that is new footage, that's new audio and new stuff. Right. It's generated by feeding old footage and audio into a machine. Just hire a guy that looks a little bit like Mark Hamill. Like, that's fine. No, no. Oh, my God. No, because here's the thing. A, Disney already has Sebastian Stan on the payroll. And both of them acknowledge he looks like a young Mark Hamill. B, even if you want to use deep fake animation, hire the voice actor that is Mark Hamill to voice Luke Skywalker. Disney, you cheap bums. They didn't even use Mark Hamill? I they no! Used the they used him the first time, but not the second time. That yeah, the bigger the role they just decided we're not paying him. I've not seen the new Star Wars movies, so I no, it's only it's in, it in... I've only seen gift sets and I assume they deep faked Luke and used Mark Hamill's voice, not what I saw um what was the one that came out? Solo? No, not solo, um Rogue, Rogue. One. And there's yeah. like deep fake Layla at the very the end. Deep fake of Leia is so creepy. She the deep fake like of Leia is creepy. The deep fake of Peter Cushing is even worse. Which is a shame because I'm sure you could have I'm sure you could have just had the audio, because the voice of Peter Cushing is very good. So you could have just had him on the end of like turned around or something. You could have cheated the way yeah. he Anyway, so I think, Star Trek did basically. Yeah, the long and short of it is recasting Jim Kirk is good. Having yeah. him in the show in the first place, we'll see. Sure. I'm again, I'm still on the fence about that because no offense to Paul Wesley, he doesn't have that. I've kissed five women in my life energy. Like, he seems like he could pick up a woman pretty easily. Like, have he's attractive. But have you watched, <laughs> have you seen his private Instagram Q&As? Because if you watch those, he gives off, I've kissed exactly five women in my life energy. <laughs> Who are we? Where are we in our lives? <laughs> if you've watched the rumors, new person is going to play the new Jim Kirk in his second season, of a Star Trek show that has not put out anything more than a 60 second trailer. When you go to that guy's private Instagram Q&A sessions from months ago, you'll see he's actually kind of awkward, which is why he should play Jim Kirk. That's what Genevieve, you're, you're talking to the host of a Star Trek podcast sees entire purpose to talk about how terrible Star Trek is, who has also written a 100,000 word Star Trek history book that will, that is, will be physically impossible to publish. I will pay to publish your book. Yeah, That's it's my more the copyright. It's more of a copyright issue than anything. Oh, sure. Back to the point. I'm not self-publishing, give it out for free. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but the point is, um, yeah, you are right, are you, that Jim Kirk is not a ladies' man. He is a man who has been in a room with women, and with certain women have liked him, that's a different thing. But As I, I always he say, he, he seems like, you know, he, he has big, I was on the academic decathlon energy, which I love about him. It's very specific, but it's him. I mean, that's basically canon. I don't know if Doctor Academy has an academic castle. Yeah. I mean, we don't we don't have academic castles in England. We have um, university challenge. <laughs> Moving on. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I mean, because we know we the two we have this sort of the image of him with the Delta badge, and then the other one of him on set where he's wearing clearly a very different badge. And if Jim Kirk is in command of a smaller other ship. And he just appears for like two stupid. episodes. No, it would. It would be cool. It would be. It, it would be, be kind of stupid. Why would it be stupid for Jim Cook to have a smaller command where he learns the ropes before he becomes uh, the big? Because he's still too. I guess he's not that young. He's like, he, how old is he? He's like thirty-nine, something like that. Okay, so here's the thing. Here's the other point I actually wanted to make, which is that they can very simply retcon Jim Kirk's age. They All can right, make him like five years younger if they wanted to. They can simply do that. In fact, it would be much easier for them if they just make him slightly older. Like Jim Kirk is born in twenty two thirty three is an invention of the Kelvinverse. They can yeah, just not do true. that. And the Kelvinverse made him too young. I guess that that's really my thing is I hated how young they made him. And we're like, he went from being a cadet to a captain overnight. I'm like, I'm supposed to be like the youngest. I don't care. Like, he's, he's, he's supposed like, to be the youngest one, but like, still. He's like 25. Like, you could, before Kelvin, Kirk was born. I wouldn't want a 25 year old riding a starship. Yeah. Before Kelvin, he was born in like 22, 28. So he'd yeah. be 30 in disco. And I guess 30's not. Yes, but if he's born in 2233, he's 25 in Disco. So if Stranger Worlds is set in like 22, 60, 61, he's 27, 28, which is, you know, if you're looking at promotions of young captains in Second World War or afterwards, that's about the range. I mean, in times of war. The Federation, as a point, Starf if we're following the Disco canon, Starfleet got that's completely... True. Ass handed to it in the Klingon one. If you want to know more about all right. it, go to I take it all back. at weebly.com. You're right, Jack. I take it all back. You've convinced me. Yes, I do this a lot of the time. But yeah, I, I can work with I can't work with spot kissing to bring that. Let's, let's just hope that's a dream. Cause is it a dream? Is it what is the context for that? There was it was in the unreal okay. So we all remember when Strangely Worlds released the trailer and then they didn't. Every time and, I open um, Twitter, something is happening. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, some screenshots of that came out before Paramount went to the war path and one of them was Spock kissing Capri. Which, sure. And if we check the IMDb, Pring is in... Not on the IMDb. Uh, what? My girl, where'd she go? Did they take her off the IMDb? I mean, I think before 
before a show goes up, a lot of the time, people are just adding that as, like, like similar to, like, editing Wikipedia, where it's just, yeah. like, if you have information, you can add it, and I guess no one has. But, like, if we, they cast to bring ages ago. We've known Supreme was going to be in it for a while. Why do we know? Well, no one bothered to update it. Why do we know that Mr. Kyle is going to be in this show and not to bring? Snaps. Who is the actor playing to bring? Is it like, is this her first role or something, or has she been in things? I don't know. That might also be it, like, if she doesn't have a strong page already. She doesn't have a weird Sam who follows all her work. That's what I mean. And maybe she should. Mm, let's see. It was July. What is it? it was from July last year. They announced it. It's a GSN dude. In three episodes. So. Okay. So they did put out something. Yeah. I mean, what is it good if, okay, I was making sure that Mabenga was in more episodes than her, and he's an old ten, which we like to consider a good thing. This is a pro-Mabenga podcast. Of course, oh, of yeah. course. I've got some predictions about Mabenga and Capring. Do it. I'd love to hear them. Well, mine was Mabenga is Brock and Capring's friend, like, individually, so he has to deal with their cattiness towards each other. They're constantly shit-talking each other in his DMs. Um... The, the screenshot, going based off the screenshot, I'm going to say they kissed, and then they both hated it, um, and that starts to bring lifelong bitchiness towards Spock, and they never speak again. <laughs> oh my God. And I want Uhura to be confirmed a lesbian. That's my, if they're going to give us any queer reps, I want Uhura. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we got Uhura and Chapel. See, the Chapel one is weird because I know Chapel's into Spock, which yeah, yeah. I hope yeah. that they don't lean too hard into that. I, I, it was weird. Like when I was watching the original series as a kid, I'm like, this is weird and gross, and I don't like it, and I don't want to see it in this century, please. But also, like in TOS, we have Chapel join Starfleet to find her. Fiance who was lost in space, who then turned out to be designing Play into that. who Everyone's yeah, turned out to be designing yeah. robots to conquer the galaxy. I feel like like Spock's gonna get like that one moment where he's like super nice to like Chapel, and that's just gonna that's that's where we're gonna set everything off. Where it's just gonna be like, oh wow, he really helped me. Is he hot or is he tall? Let's figure this out. Yeah, I wrote down like Chapel saves Spock's life or Spock saves Chapel's life, and that starts. I would love to see Chapel save Spock's life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, like, the Mabenga thing, like, is he the CMO? Because I don't know what the optics of him being CMO and then being replaced by McCoy are. Yeah, I wouldn't want him to be CMO because that means he gets demoted when Kirk takes command of the Enterprise. Unless he takes the back. The only experience I'd have is that. He quits, and then McCoy persuades him to come back for some reason. I think it's more likely that they'll make him, like, second in command. Because so it does seem like they are also sort of focusing on, like, the other characters that they've introduced that aren't ones that we already know tend to be more on the ensign side of things. Like, they tend to be lower ranked. Mm -hmm. So 
I think it would make sense. And like, it's like a younger uh, general cast than TOS was. So I think it would make sense if he was like higher up in the medical side, but like not the chief. Yeah, because even in the cage, Pike already has a CMO. So I assume Mabenga is just like the Vulcan specialist. Yeah. And it's have the ship having multiple CMOs is something that we've always been a subtext. Like, even in like the really early writers' guides and guides to the Enterprise, they're like, yeah, there's like three medical, there's like two other medical officers underneath Bones. And it sort of became text in Discovery, finally. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm just like kind of stuck on the fact that, like, just the idea that Spock has his own personal doctor in Omega, where it's just all like, yep. This one's mine. That's all I do here. Just handle this one. You see, I always thought that Mabenga, getting shot so many times. But like Mabenga was doctor. like, he's the guy. He did all his like medical degrees off Earth. Yeah, that's what I was sort of thinking. Because we know like, McCoy only does humans. He's like, I don't know alien things. Yeah. <laughs> McCoy yeah, so, is the worst doctor. I love him. Well, it's because I think what is very clear about McCoy is that McCoy did not go. McCoy. Did a medical degree, was a doctor, and then joined Starfleet. He didn't go through Starfleet mm -hmm. Academy and do any of that culture. So he's like, I don't really give a shit about anything but humans because I, I learned how to do medicine at all this. Whereas, you know, McBenga interned on a Vulcan ward and, you know, probably McCoy is Dorian babies and shit. McCoy is like the type of, is a doctor who is like coasting off the fact that like, yeah, he doesn't know Jack about aliens, but if you need him to make a weird ass cure for some disease you've never seen before, he's your guy. Yeah, if you have like a weird, if you have like a weird ache or pain, you, you might go to McCoy in case there's something terrible, but if you have like a chronic illness, you go to McCoy. <laughs> if you have the flu, yeah. you go to McCoy and he gets you slaughtered without a lecture. And it might also be that, like, different on a ship that's, let's say, like, 300 people, if there's, like, three main medical personnel, that they each sort of, like, take a third of the ship to be, like, if you are sick, that's the one that you would tend to go to. Like, that doesn't seem that unusual, necessarily. It's sort of, like, uh, did did Spock say, like, you're, like, my personal doctor? No, it's uh, in, when Mabenga is introduced in A Private Little War, Mabenga looks after him very simply because it's, uh, Spock's life is on the line. And Mabenga knows much more about Vulcan physiology. Yeah, so I don't think he does it just for uh, Spock. And like also, the on Enterprise, like Spock was the only, or not on Enterprise, on a, the original series, Spock was the only alien that they had on board. Everyone else is a human. I don't it, like it, like when it, when it came out. Is that, is that true? Not well, the, not by animated series. No, well, this is the weird thing. It's like I was just remembered in Journey to Babel. You know, there's a bit with the, where Spock, where Saren needs blood. Mm -hmm. And they're going through the blood banks. Oh, you're right, you're yeah, right. And, but there's, when they're talking about blood, where to get it from, I think they say none of the other alien crew, we have no matching blood from any of the alien crew. That's true. So I've always read the subtext that there are alien crew members of the Enterprise. We just don't we see just, them, yeah. We just don't see them they because of... the budget. Yeah, it's not even like... <laughs> okay. I'm not, there's no, there's no, like, Watsonian explanation. There is a bit of the budget, you know. I'm sure that if, as we'll find right. out with Strange New Worlds, if Gene would have the budget to stick Arax or something on the bridge, I he'd have done so. it from the start. God bless our free arm boy. 
He's got to so, be much better at flying the ship. Yeah, he's got to be. He's got to be better than better than Mister better than Pavel the monkey's checkup. What is um? There's a character that is like the blind Andorian character. Do we know what his job is? I think he's security. Yeah, he's an A&R. He's let me check. yeah, he's working security. I think. Ortega. Now the one that gets me is Ortega squares is red, but she's the image of her is at the helm. Oh, uh, back. Oh. Oh, oh. It's sorry. I forget. Not everyone is as upset the cage as me. Uh, if like her role isn't to be at the helm, then it's a definite callback to Jose Tyler, whose last name was supposed to be Ortega, who was the helmsman in the cage. Yeah, I think she's definitely a callback to the, the, the early scripts. I just, why is she wearing red at the navigation? Oh, unless it's, oh, of course, because number one is usually navigation, so she might, you know, relieve helm and stuff. Okay, <laughs> I have a question, and I feel like, Jack, you might have the answer, which is, okay, so the categories are science medical, operations command. What yeah. is on, like I know that like command theoretically is like people that are training to eventually take command of ship, but like that can't be everyone wearing yellow. It's so it's command, it's administration. Okay. And it's also um I think it's sometimes called like command operations, but like if you remember Balance of Terror, the people who were manning the phases wore yellow. So like the weapons are manned by people. Yeah, because Sula wears yellow. Yeah, Sula wears yellow and the gun crews wear yellow. Whereas engineers and security men wear red. So if you were a gun crew, a phaser crew, a torpedo okay. crew, a starship, you went yellow and be in command. But if you were a security, if you were a security or a marine or an engineer, you went red. So yeah. I feel like it's sort of like desk job versus legwork is sort of how they also divide it up, it seems. Yeah, I feel like why is communications because it's part of operations. It's in because it's part of the operation. I think it could be under administration. Yeah, I think it's like, that's the, the categories are weird, is what I'm saying. No, I, well, it's quite. They put her in red because it it color it the balance the colors out better. Yeah, if you sure. Put yellow and corporate out because that's so. What does Hoshi wear? Hoshi wears green. Blue, because yeah, so it's like that. Enterprise only has like it's like a greenish blue. Yeah, because um, um, so at that point, linguistics science? is a science. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm glad we all figured this out. You see, I think of her as red because she's also chief of operations. Because you know how, okay. um, yeah, like she's also like doing like management. But she's not just doing communications. She's like coordinating internal ships management as well. Mm -hmm. So that's why she might wear red. Also, she looks really good in red. That's the main reason. I, I think my, my um, favorite, my favorite in the Vanguard books, there's a bit when they, where one person, one of the journalists is like to spot, why do you wear blue? You're, 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 you're a first officer, why are you wearing blue? And Spock just tells him to fuck off. Yeah. It's really funny. It's like, well, he, looks good. he looks much better in blue than he would in yellow. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad, yeah. Um, I have a, uh, so we were unfortunately supposed to have a, uh, fifth member today, but, uh, their work fucked up their schedule, so they're, uh, delivering pizzas for the masses. 
Uh, but they did send me a list of their predictions. Uh, and, you know, I'm going to read them. Feel free at any point to uh, stop at me and comment. Um, I would like to also read the abstract that they wrote. Um, they're, uh, uh, is it Butch Vulcan on Twitter? Is that their actual, no, it's Deep Space Airme? But uh, their handle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but predictive model, plot outcomes, and character development for Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Uh, the abstract is, when analyzing pre-release promotional materials, audiences often encounter the challenge of limited information from which to draw inferences about new media. To overcome the small sample size uh, provided by Paramount Pictures Corporation, I have created a mathematical model to estimate potential plot outcomes and character development that will occur in season one of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I will accomplish this by synthesizing the, uh, the memory alpha databanks, the internet movie database, and by utilizing st uh, statistical methods originally devised by... It's important to know that it's like spelled like a Vulcan name to test um, or T-test uh, a Vulcan in 2297. Some of the predictions are easily intuited while others seem incomprehensible. However, only time will reveal the uh, accuracy of the following predictions. Uh, so, number one is Spock goes to a planet where he sees a dragon. Uh, number two is a niche online fandom will form specifically around sexing, sexualizing the dragon. Um, <laughs> three, the quartermaster <laughs> issues the ugliest boots ever and is asked to leave the fleet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, number four, musical episode, in parentheses, derogatory, uh, when the universal translator malfunctions. Uh, number five, Harry Fenton Mudd, uh, oh, sorry, Harcourt Fenton Mudd, uh, in parentheses, under a pseudonym, uh, facilitates a business deal wherein the Starfleet trades him dilithium in exchange for 3,084,400 kilometers of smart trinanofibrillium cloth, which turns out to just be velour. Uh, um, is it is it made explicitly clear whether Pike and Unar are in a romantic relationship the entirety of the season? Uh, number seven, until Pike and Unar get divorced and enter a lengthy court battle over horse custody. Uh, um, eight. A Horace, Bach, and Una go undercover as a band after Dr. Mabenga goes missing on a pre-war planet. Uh, Please. They do like a, a Beatles thing. Uh, number I, nine. Sign on the Beatles thing. I think one thing I would really like to Strange New Worlds is just to lead into the fact that they're about to enter the space 60s. You yes. know? I just want back in the KSSR. It's like back in the USSR, but with the Klingons. I just want that. I just want them to lead on the fact they're doing the 60s in space. I think we should bring back the 60s aesthetics. Yeah, yeah, I want the bring Beatles on that Telerites. Well, and Star Trek always has, like, your pop culture references, and I feel like their thing should be the 1960s. Everything should just, you know... Well, we've had, we had California Dreaming recently, but I think they should just start randomly playing 60s songs at the point. You know? Yeah, like, that's what everyone's obsessed with. Spock playing Yellow Submarine on a liar. What's not to love? Oh, actually, that brings me to my next point, which is that Spock plays the Lyrette, but he only knows how to play Wonderwall so far, and he's not very good. Uh, Valid. Uh, Dr. Mabenka cures rabies. Um, 
uh, Lon, how do you pronounce her name? Lon. Uh, can shoot lasers from her eyeballs, and this is never explained. Um, For human blood. uh, Enterprise chess team doping scandal. No other explanation for that one. Uh, Another one with no explanation, Weasel Nebula. Valid. Valid. So Nebula for the weasels. We finally meet Jeffrey. Uh, Oh, is he in the tubes? Jeffrey, the guy who invented the tunes. (laughs) He he, he invented them, built them, and never left them. Um, That's when they they enter the weasel nebula. He's in the tubes. Yeah. It's like, it's like Scotty. That's how he's been surviving. Like, oh, Scotty, you're back from maintenance, Sterling. I gotta find Jeffrey. What do you mean, Scotty, learning phaser? I gotta find Jeffrey. (laughs) Okay, so do you think that the weasel nebula is a nebula that is full of weasels? Or do you think it's a nebula that exhibits weasel-like qualities, such as stealing shiny objects? Both. Both. I wanted to turn them into weasels. That's even better. <laughs> <laughs> a completely non-verbal episode where they're just all weasels. I just want weasels running around the ship trying to operate things. No, it's like you know how in Lego Star Wars game in Lego like Lego games they like give plot through like mimicry and noises. Yeah. It's that for forty-five minutes, but with weasels. <laughs> Um, the next one is Ahura covers the bridge in bubble wrap for her senior prank before graduating from Starfleet Academy and I did ask Mo about that one um, which is I didn't know if bubble wrap would still exist in 300 years and they said no which makes it even funnier because the fir- as soon as everyone wants it nobody knows what it is and they're just like touching things like wondering like, is this a virus is this like dangerous it makes a popping noise is it going to explode uh, and it's also very impressive because it means that she had to replicate all the bubble wrap and find a time that no one else was on the bridge in order to do it all. Um, the next one is, or the crew attend a bonfire with T'Pring. Spock thinks she's leaning in for a kiss, but she was actually whispering to know if he knew Otega's subspace communication code, and it's really awkward. Um... 17 just says, Christine Chapel's bachelorette party on Ryza. Uh, self-explanatory. Yep. Um, 18, someone in the main cast smokes a J. Uh, That's some... Um, 19 that is it's controversial. Spock. <laughs> 19 one. just says, Berman's back, baby! <laughs> no! No. <laughs> I like, actually laughed out loud. I was dying. Watch. No. Not gonna lie. Would watch. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. I'm like, oh, no. A very oh, real possibility. It's just we just it's just the set like dramatic TOS music plays, and then like you know how um, Lincoln appeared on the chair in Star Trek is Bourbon in a chair appearing like Lincoln. Okay, here's a question: If they brought Berman back, would it be a as like an actual cameo where he like played a role in, or whether you think it would be behind the camera, either directing or writing an episode? I don't think they let him near yes. the camera. I think they bring him on and then write and then find a way to dramatically kill him. Like, you know, has anyone here of what? Yeah, do you think if they brought him back, they'd be petty about it? Yeah. Has anyone here of what's Police Squad, the precursor to Naked Gun? No. Okay, so it was a parody of 1970s cock shows. And what they do at the beginning is they introduce a guest character in like an in, in, like an in media res shot and then immediately kill them. Like, 
There's one with a guest starring William Shatner where he's in a shootout at a restaurant and they have a drink and falls and just dies. Or where like, um, I think there's another one where the guest just gets hit by, just rolls out of a car dead. Like it's like guest starring blank and then the dead body just rolls out of a car. See, I think they would like, like if Berman's coming back for a cameo, he is writing that cameo, but it's going to be like a weird whose line thing where like everything else has no, no bearing on what he does. It's just happening. Well, I do know that the Chalice of Ricks uh, from Beta Z, the one that Lasana has and is always talking about is very specifically a dig at uh, Rick Berman because she was in an interview and like two separate interviews. One she confirmed because she came up with the name. Um, one she confirmed that it is a joke at Rick Berman's expense. And two, what it is, is a pot that everyone thinks is important but is actually just full of mold. What is? The uh, Chalice of Ricks. The one that like when Lasana like walks in, she's like, uh, like I am like, you know, Lasana of Beta Z, like matriarch of the fifth house and like keeper of the chalice of ricks or something like that and <laughs> uh, if you go on like the chalice of ricks imdb or like a memory alpha page it's like the full quote but then like separately in an interview she was like yeah it's just a moldy old pot that thinks it's important <laughs> support the troops oh. Um, so in episode four, Eric Otego will be zapped to death permanently by a skin of evil moments before saying the word lesbian out loud for the first time in Star Trek history. Uh, <laughs> it's like how this year, is, this week is the first time we've heard the word fascism on Star Trek. We've heard fascist. Have uh, we? yeah, because, yeah, Quark screams it at Odo when they're on that planet together. That's the best. It's about walking up a mountain. It's as a joke, but fascist. Oh, and uh, um, the character in uh, uh, what's his name, Shax, in uh, Lower Deck says fighting fascism is a full time job. It is having a PTSD episode in the playroom. Oh yeah, good on Star Trek for acknowledging the existence, even in space, the existence of Mussolini's style authoritarianism cannot be ignored. This is this is means that Shax is aware of the existence of Mussolini. Which is why Lower Decks is my favorite. Do you think that the internet, the Universal Translator translates like concepts of that nature? Like they uh I think it does. I think that's what makes it sophisticated, is that it it's not mm-hmm. just a Google translate, it translates concepts. Right. Eventually. Like uh, it's- it's like Netflix uh, subtitles where like they give you the gist of what's being said. You know, I think like we should have is... had more episodes about the Universal Translator and like how it can fuck up. Because like even something that's like perfect 99.9% of the time is still gonna fuck up on occasion, especially with like certain languages. Yeah, like because there's a there's a long argued about bit in Undiscovered Country where Scotty editor have to use a Klingon translation book to talk to a yeah Klingon. And people, sometimes people are like Oh, it is really mean to imagine that Uhura couldn't speak Klingon. The only way I would have done it would have been that you haven't be specifically that the guy speaks like a really specific like dialect of Klingon. Sure, like he, yeah. speaks, he speaks like, I don't know, like Cornish or something or Scot or like Scots, or Scots. Eng- <laughs> Scots English. And, it, and Uhura's just like, oh fuck. 
I do. <laughs> looks like some like old code that she has the book for. Yeah. So what'd you say? Oh, I was gonna say I hope there's an episode where Uhura gets to use her linguist skills because that's like such I hope an that's every episode. Surprise. Yeah, because if you ever read Uhura's song, don't. It was really bad. Uhura's song. I was gonna say like I heard it was bad. I read part of that book, and I can't remember why. Probably for the better. It was so disappointing. It marketed as a book about Uhura, and then it's 90% the author's Mary Sue. Yeah, it's... I hate to see. It's it's so... I think I was reading it for a food thing. I love that a reviewer of it described as undisputably weird. They land on a planet of furries. Um, that are so ashamed that they've caused industrialization that they're willing to die from a plague then go back to their home world and find the cure okay question is this a race of people that are like anthropomorphized animals or is this a race of people that are all just into fucking in furry costumes like a community of furries okay anthropomorphized cats but Strange New Worlds episode, they land on a planet of furries, people who want to fuck furries. <laughs> it's just their culture. Yeah. They're just uh-huh. they're weird permanent, of they're Earth. permanently sweaty. It was a weird section of Earth that branched off and they colonized their own planet. Good for them. You yeah. know, if we have like unlimited space, why not? You know, go crazy. We have Riza. Why not? Yeah, just like a Beverly Crusher's a colony for them. Planet. It's like... Yeah. You know, it's like we've got like the laughing planet in um, Lower Decks, but I love that Star Trek's been cool enough for ages. Like one of the early facet guys of a planet where people laugh the French Revolution. It's really funny. It's like, why would you? Why would an you episode where they're like, it's a group of people that are like, oh, we prefer to live like the old fashioned ways. And they like live with like, with, I don't know, like That's our up. age, I guess, technology. I don't think Irish. There's there's a crazy Irish episode. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's the Irish. They live in like mythical 18th century Ireland. Yeah. Good Ireland, for but the famine never happened in the British are in this. How nice. Truly a paradise. Truly a better world. Um, is there anything else from? Oh uh, yes, Spock is revealed to have yet another sibling. Of uh, yes. As is tradition. Uh, first contact with Beta Z happens and it's messy. I asked them to elaborate, they would not. No, I think uh, that's just, good. I think it should be messy. It's messy. It should be horrible. I think you need to. <laughs> um, Cyborg hooks up with one of the main cast while they're on shore leave. And I also asked them to clarify on this. Like, they do not know Spock is on this ship. Him and Spock never interact. It's just like they go down to a planet and like Cyborg is like the like the C plot. And is like sleeps with someone in the Oh, room. here's a McCoy. I, I have a thing because that just made me think of what is it? Forgetting Sarah Marshall? He should be like the Russell Brand character where it's just like just fucking, just constantly banging like everyone. I like just I agree. everyone has met this man except Spock. <laughs> even well, Pike. because like Pike doesn't know how he ended up Pike. in that bed, but he did. <laughs> <laughs> he just went looks his left and like. Yeah, he, he, he picks up, looks at a Vulcan and is all like, please don't be Spock. Please don't be Spock. Is Cyborg and Pike fuck? Do you think Spock ever finds out about it? Or do you think like no, that is like, out about it. Smoke finds out about it when Pike is stuck in the chair and he mind melts with Pike and it's just a minute where Spock stands up and just sort of screams. And, they and like something about like, them is never the same. 
Yeah, yeah no. And then like you, you like it's like one of those things you don't really get any backstory, kind of like because we won't like you can't do anything about it until he meets Cyborg when Cyborg's like my fucking him and like well Cyborg's doing that whole oh yeah your parents never loved you he's probably all like yeah well you loved my captain that one time Christ uh, <laughs> Cyborg just goes how do you know about that and the McCoy and Kirk looking like what <laughs> he fucked everyone else in the room is all like what's happening he's like, um, he this fucked might Pike. actually and especially like, into uh, the next point which is Spock says something mean, but instead of playful banter, he ends up really hurting their feelings. <laughs> it's just like, it cuts to like, it cuts to like Ortega crying in a corner and Spock's just like, Spock just bullies a person for a whole episode. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I think this one is for you, Jack. Uh, Star Trek finally critically confronts its relationship to the Doctrine of Discovery and the Age of Sail. Um, and then 26 is, haha, JK, Paramount executives don't let the very genuinely tra- uh, transgressive ethical dilemmas, so they get really good, really into food categorization discourse instead, are like pierogies, Pop-Tarts. See, that's my jam. I would watch that. And no, they aren't. Pop-Tarts have fruit fillings. It's a strudel. Tomatoes are- <laughs> Is pasta a soup? It's a strudel. I, I, it is a strudel. <laughs> is pasta a soup? Tonight, I think pasta uh, become a soup. I think yeah. if, you make, if you fuck up the sauce, pasta becomes a soup. Yeah, I think there's a cereal way. is definitely a weird soup. Well, I eat dry cereal, can't... so am I consuming soup? No, you're consuming. That's like saying, like, if I consume a carrot, am I eating carrot soup? No, get your head out of your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Liquid is what makes a soup, idiot. Okay. Okay. And also, you can eat pasta on a plate. You can't eat soup on a plate. I mean, soup you can. Plate. It's just very unsatisfying. Lapping it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but out of all those really great baseless ideas, I have one, which I feel really should be the series end for like, well, season one end. Rather than Kirk, we're just going to like, go into, I don't know, wherever wherever they keep, like, your operations people, and there's just gonna be a weird Scottish guy, you know, like, I've been the only one down here all year. <laughs> and that's how we meet Scotty. It's, Scott, it's, 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 like, it's like, Chief Petty Officer Chief Petty Officer Scott, how has your year been? He's just shaking slightly. Like, how would you like a promotion to Lieutenant? He's like, well, I get my own quarter. And they're like, yes. He's like, uh, yes, please. <laughs> Or like, and that's how we learn to do stuff quicker than everyone else in Starfleet. Or like, yeah, he's just been like, trapped down there alone. <laughs> what if there's an episode where, like, re- like number one is spending all the episode trying to find the le- trying to find out why power is being siphoned, and she ends up climbing to the Jeffrey's tubes, and she comes to a junction. It's just Scotty and like Kyle and Mister Leslie around like a, a, a whiskey still, and they all just sort of look at her, and like Scotty gets off the throw a cup. <laughs> Oh, that reminds me of actually one of the greatest book moments is uh, because Scotty was making engine room hooch, like the entire crew just kind of low-key lost their mind and Paramount should do that. Just like everyone just losing it, not knowing why. (laughs) 
turns well, out he, the Scottish guy is making booze. Wait, he, put, okay. he, he accidentally putting alcohol into the atmosphere, in, into like the atmosphere filtration. <laughs> is everyone getting buzzed <laughs> off of how much alcohol there is in the air? <laughs> no, in the book, it was just like, he, I, he had messed it up. So it was like, getting like literal stuff from like the engine like runoff into the booze because apparently scotty can't make it yes oh my god um i think that they should bring there should be stables custom built stables on the enterprise and it should be made canonical that every captain has a horse on board like every captain in the modern era has a horse on board. Oh no, you know why we never see like the Arboretum or the Wreck Deck in TOS? It's because Pike ripped it up so badly with his horse, like he tore through all the soil, that basically when Kirk, Kirk, Kirk came in behind, this is what he went, he went to like the chief office, and how long is this gonna take to fix? He went, four to five years. Like until we invented <laughs> holotech, like a horse is essential to being a Starfleet captain. And so before we invented holodeck, they literally had to put a horse on. I'm so close. It was a, a, a dear friend of mine's birthday recently, and I was so close to buying them the uh, horse uh, Picard Kirk uh, horse girl plate, the collectible plate that Paramount Pictures made. <laughs> that is like, it's from Generations, and it's like four vignette scenes that like are melding into each other. One of them is like Picard kissing a horse. Um, one of them is Kirk and Picard both on a horse, and one of them is like them like lethally riding with their horses <laughs> and like petting their horses. Oh god, I just I love the idea of Pike just like I've got to ride a horse on the Arboretum, but like but the chief botanist is just sort of sitting in a deck chair like sweating profusely, just like. What do you think I, the horse's like, name is going to be? Anger. You think it's going to be like a normal person name, or do you think it's like Snowflake or like Sugar Plum? The horse will be like called Rigel because it's going to add more confusion to where and what exactly <laughs> Rigel is. <laughs> My favorite fact is that the Star Trek maps about 30 years ago, they just simply decided there were two systems called Rigel. Which I mean, there's like 18 Springfield. In yeah. the United States alone. This is basically like they thought it was, it looks like one star from Earth, but it's actually two. And there's one behind it. <laughs> I feel like that's the best thing they did. It's like, yeah, there's, there's just two. And nobody, don't, you don't delineate between the two. Fragile like, Seven, is that the one with the Orion? So the one with Starfleet on it? You'll never know. I, and I know that we're not supposed, <clears throat> these people are not going to meet the Romulans because they're like not supposed to know the Romulans or whatever. But, I do think, I would like an explanation for why uh, the Romulan people apparently also had an identical story for Romulus and Remus. Um, tax because purposes. The... <laughs> tax purposes. It's, they were filling in the form. It was easier to copy someone else's work. But like, <laughs> did we both have the same story? Did they know about us? Like, well, wait, really aren't like Greek gods real? Oh yeah. Oh, you're right. Greek gods are real. I feel like that was an episode. Thank you for that. Greek gods are real. If you know you 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 canonize like planets and the Titans, Jesus is real too. It's just Kirk. <laughs> Which episode is that? It was the un, it was one of Jim Rodney's failed movie scripts. Kirk fights Jesus, and then technically is Jesus. Uh, canonically. 
uh, in the animated series, they go to the Salem witch trials, and it turns out that the Salem, there were real witches in Salem, and they were aliens, and the aliens got their magic, which was also real, from the devil. Uh, it was also they real. were real witches. It was also real. <laughs> so you get that great gif of Kirk going like that, and Spock's like, use the magic within you. Yeah, it's, and that's, um, which I would that's like canon. That's canon. That's, <laughs> I hope they just lean on TAS derangement. I hope we see an Adovia with I mean, three legs and three arms. Okay, correct me if I'm like wrong, because I don't know if this is true in England as well, because also we get a lot of our culture, obviously, as Americans from y'all, but is there the same, uh, uh, I'm so sorry. What were we talking about? I lost the train of thought. We were talking about magic. Thank you. Yes. Uh, there's like a weird obsession with making the witches of the Salem witch trial real. There's so much media that ends up being, and they were right to kill those people because they were real witches. Or like at best, it's like uh, they got the wrong people. Like they they accidentally killed the humans, but there were real witch, real witches. There. I think that well, you, what you have to understand is that the foundational principle of American colonization and the populations that came to America was the fact that we deported all of our religious fanatics. <laughs> Is it like a oh? And we like built a, a country on them. Yeah, like you know how pilgrim fathers think about being oppressed from religious because of their religious rights. That's true. Like these people were too deranged for Oliver Cromwell, so we sent them away. We don't have like the, we don't have that kind of shit here because we literally sent. You them have away. Witch no, no. You know what's even worse? Because I, I Google things. Apparently, y'all did have witch trials from the 15th to 18th century, yeah. which means yeah, you gave it to us. Yeah, you sent no, them I'm all here. Saying, I'm not saying the witch the trials witch trial didn't happen in England. It's just that basically they petered out, and there's no culture around witch trials in England. Like today. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you exported them to here. Yeah, but we also exported failed sons. <laughs> Look, representative like, democracy. And, well, actually, America's obsessed with the Salem witches. the Dutch imported slavery. I feel like it's because Britain and like anywhere in Europe has can go back like hundreds and hundreds of years and have these like mythical tales associated with them. Whereas Americans, because we're colonizers by definition. All of our like it's like the only which the only spooky thing that ever happened in America. It's like that and Mothman. Yeah, sorry. Hey, like, hey, Mothman is real. Mothman is real. Mothman <laughs> is real. To be clear, I am, this is a pro Mothman podcast. I Look, Mothman, the Sasquatch, all that stuff probably real. Jersey Devil, I believe in it Jersey because Devil's New real. Jersey is wild. Yeah, There's no crawler. Sure, I'm pro. I'm just gonna say. I'm just gonna say uh, everybody should read the religion religion on the decline of magic. We can talk about this stuff and explaining the relationship between magic in the pre-Reformation world and magic in the post-Reformation world. Because before the Reformation, if you were like, "There's magic," a priest just gonna go, "Do you want me to bless it away?" I don't know. They, they wouldn't. Have. The church didn't really I think that kind of thing for uh, it. <laughs> new world. They should go to a planet where people have magic powers, and they're like. How does this work? And they're like, we're just magic. And they try to be like, no, there has to be like a scientific explanation. Like, you think it's magic, but there's like, and they try and they can't. And like, 
they just have to like live with it they're like these people are just magic these ones are magic over here you, you see, know what see, i want you see that's just see the thing is Genevieve, because that's just the plot of the shira reboot <laughs> and i've already done the crossover thing so it doesn't <laughs> One thing I do want to see from Strange New World is like just like a nice little B plot is like the crew they're off doing whatever, but Pike is trapped in his little like captain's room because there is a spider on the floor and he can't he like we canonically know he's afraid of spiders, so just have him like panicking in his room the and, entire like, time. Like he goes someone's gonna kill he this. Goes <laughs> he goes to the communicator and the spider sits on top of it. He's <laughs> <laughs> like it's sort of like at the end it's just sort of like by the end of it the room is just on fire somehow and like number one comes in sort of looks and everything How did this happen? and leaves it's, also like, it's like i think it's really interesting because pike has a ready room and we know that from some of the footage we some of, we basically know pike has a ready room mm-hmm. which makes it really funny that kirk doesn't so either kirk actively refuses to use his ready room or it got turned into like a storeroom or something. Seems right to me. Cause he's like, always like, I want to be in the act. Like that's why he goes down to planets where all the other captains like send their crew down. Like it makes sense to me that he wouldn't want to like, like separate himself into a ready room. Much like how Pike got rid of the holographic tech because he also fears ghosts. I think Kirk saw that ready room and was all like, this is a library now. Like, why do we have a library on deck two with like a canteen in it? And why is it so small? And why is it have a weird bathroom? Just don't ask questions, kids. Do you think why that Kirk and Scott slots in the library? Yes, good night. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I feel like oh god, we've been going for like an hour and a half. Uh, any other basis speculation before we finish off quick fire basis speculation? Chapel um, number one are clones of each other. <laughs> Ooh, that's, that's good. That's good. That's good. good. Ooh, uh, there Even was one where, uh, yeah, we find out that Nurse Chapel is a set of triplets, and one of her like siblings went off and married uh, the guy at Beta Z, and you can tie that in to the first contact with Beta Z. Um, yeah. And the other triplet um, helped design the computer. Works for the, the computer, enterprise. yeah. Yeah, she works um, in like vocal sensation. Uh, what was I going to say? Um, I feel like the my most I don't think that he's funny. I mean, maybe we just meet like Matt, Matt Decker and he's just incredibly sensible and really quiet. And he's like, oh, <laughs> he's just like a guy. <laughs> he like doesn't swear at all. He's not bad. He's just like, and it's like, oh, just the most boring man in Starfleet right there. And we yeah. crushed him with a rock. <laughs> And then, like, I don't know, or like, um, the guy who um, fucking starts that war. What's the name? The one, the one in the Amiga Glory. Oh, Tracy, Ron Tracy, yes. and he's just also like a random dude. <laughs> like, all, they bring all these... back professional wrestlers to Star Trek. Yes, Voyager did a crossover. There's no reason we can't. Yeah, well, I think out. I can't think of who was with. So Discovery got to have. Stacey Abrams. I think Strange Worlds once again is a deep fake of Robert F. Kennedy or I don't know, fucking Lin-Manuel Miranda who fucking cares. Oh, Lin-Manuel Miranda <laughs> does the musical episode. I was about yeah. to say! 
And it's horrific. It's like a, you it's know, a like complete, a wet dream. It's like a complete car. He does that like really fast rapping thing he does and Pike cuts him off halfway through because I can't understand a thing you're saying. It's all just about how the Federation are the good guys and how we fix all racism. Like, <laughs> and even like Pike the and the gang aren't really buying it. <laughs> just like, well, Lin-Manuel Miranda's writing it, so. Yeah, well, I didn't say writing it. He's just in it. There's a difference. What? No, 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 no. Here's the thing. If it's Lin-Manuel Miranda, he's going to write it. He can't yeah, not write it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think what other deranged cameos they might do. Just William Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> William Shatner as, as like fucking... I you know what? Best deranged one would be like a Captain Archer. Like he's still like Captain absolutely amazing, but he is there. I mean, in, like when we did uh, Bones. In like in the beta <laughs> cabin, Captain Archer died on the day the Enterprise was launched. Like when the Enterprise was launched in 2045, Archer dies like the same day. Just like what of a broken heart, of a life fulfilled. <laughs> Hold on, I can read it out to you. Hold on. This is dumb Star Trek shit imaginable. Hold on, let me read it out. Let me read it out. The day the Enterprise launches, he just dies. That's Um, great, because that means he died the same way uh, Luke and Leia's mom did. Just like that heart broke that day. It was just so dramatic. uh, We did it, Dad. Kills over. Hold on, I've got it. Archer, 133 years old, had lived long enough to see the launch of the first starship. Starfleet ship since his own to be named Enterprise. April said that Archer had wished him luck before returning to his home in upstate New York. His era at an end, Jonathan Archer died peacefully the next day. I mean, that does explain the I Beagle line done. from the Star Trek 2008 movie where he's like, I lost uh, Archer's prize Beagle. And I'm like, how old is this man? <laughs> Apparently oh, oh, no! Like, everything lives forever because like even in burning dreams like you have tango who like pike gets when he's like 12 and that horse outlives pike i believe like it is insane <laughs> <laughs> found a way this horse is immortal in the future i like the most like spoke after kirk dies he's like in the harbor and he's like that's pike's horse <laughs> he's sort of like and his ambassador spot groves is watching his horse he's like Spike's horse. What the fuck is Spike's horse? Do you think that Spock and the horse are like friends, or do you think they like are always competing for daddy's affection? Competing. Yeah, definitely. Have horse. Just like technically, <laughs> like we've never had Bones's death confirmed, so I assume he's still around in Discovery at this point. Like. Bones, Bones is also immortal. Alive. My favorite yeah. is like, like there's a bit, there's one of the comics from TNG era where Spock and Bones meet, and Spock's basically like, "Why wouldn't you let yourself die?" And and <laughs> McCoy's answer is basically spite. I'm too stubborn. And then <laughs> Look, that will fuel you. <laughs> and then when he finds out that McCoy, that that Scotty is still like young, he's furious. <laughs> oh my god, I hadn't even thought about that. It's so funny. I like to think the only person, the only two people, the, I feel like Uhura, Sulu, and Chekhov die natural death because they, they don't live for the drama. They're not drama queens. Yeah. They, just, they just, you know, Sulu got to be president and then he died. 
Good for him. Like with Archer, he was just so happy. Like, this is peace. I can die now. That's how you die in the future. You just wait until your life's mission is completed and then you pass away peacefully, apparently. You know, you get get to be Space Eisenhower and then you die. Meanwhile, Bones apparently decided one day, like, I'm going to outlive Jim. I'm going to outlive his family. I'm going to outlive Spock's family. So as long as Michael lives, man, he cannot die. (laughs) It's like Highlander. It's exactly like Highlanders. McCoy can only die when he defeats Spock's family in battle. That should be an episode of Strange New Worlds. They go into a Highlander. Yes. Yeah. Oh <laughs> Never mind, Maybe. it's only Discovery. We're going to do like Star Wars did with Boba Fett. We're just like, yeah, this is going to be about the other show. But it, um, on that note, I'd like to thank you all for coming and joining us today. If you have anything to plug to our listeners, please do so now. Port Mabenga. Yep, take that. Well, at our end, I guess, um, buy our shirts. Go to I Quit Star Trek on Tee Public. The money goes to charity. Um, follow us on Twitter at Quit Star Trek Pod. Um, I like to ask everyone in our mentions to get a grip also, because uh, we've been shitposting recently and it seems to attract a lot of people who don't understand what podcasts for. <laughs> Not for you. For people who can get a grip. So if you can't get a grip, stop listening. Stop commenting. This is not a pro-fan, this is not a pro-fandom podcast. It's very specifically an anti-fandom podcast. I did appreciate the number of people who just saw what your handle is and were like, I can't believe that you are making all these basic accusations about the Star Trek show when you've never you've decided to quit it. <laughs> there are 66 episodes of this show. If we were going to quit, we'd have done it already. Get a grip. But yeah, um, I think that's it. Um, until next time, I don't know, don't deep fake Robert F. Kennedy. That's my main takeaway. Do it. Do it. Deep fake Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Ah. Deep fake Rick Deep fake Rick Bourbon! That's such a Deep fake Rick Deep fake Rick Bourbon. That's our takeaway. Next time. Until next time, folks, make sure to support our Deep Fake Rick Bourbon campaign. Goodbye. <laughs>